Welcome to Labor Pains, supported by Women Connect and Support. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am a woman passionate about connecting and helping women and men share their stories of infertility struggles or loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy to help support you. My guests will share their painful stories of hurt and heartache to bring you hope and inspiration so you know you are not alone on the journey to have a family to love. There will also be resources to help support you. Thank you for joining us today. Today's guest is my daughter, Melanie. This may be a difficult um, interview because I do know her story, and, and it was emotional when she went through it, and so it may be difficult for us, but we will get through this. We both want to share this story to help other women that might be struggling with the same or similar situation. So I would like to welcome my daughter, Melanie. Hello. <laughs> so Melanie is my oldest daughter, and I always start out a podcast with just asking my guests to kind of tell us a little bit about themselves and also their marriage and thoughts on when they had decided to have a family um, and anything that they would like to add to that. Okay. Um, so my husband and I met through a mutual friend. Uh, we dated for a long time before we got married. Um, I believe it was almost a little over seven years before we got married. Oh yeah. I kind of forgot about that. (laughs) (laughs) I know it was a long Mm -hmm. time. Um, then we, when we did get married, we got married in September and we decided we would start trying at the beginning of the next year. Um, but that year was the year of no good news. Um, we had three miscarriages that year and... Um, we, but we wanted to have kids, so we just, we knew we wanted to have at least one or two. Um, but I do remember a conversation that was talking about a specialist. Mm-hmm. And you'll have to refresh if you remember, um, I think I remember you saying, and maybe this wasn't true, that. I don't know if it was the insurance or the doctor or whatever said you had to have three miscarriages before you could go to a specialist. Was that correct? Do you remember that? that? I think it was that and something about you had to have been trying for over a year and at a certain age frame. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Um, I don't really remember all the, if there was, I feel like there was a certain time frame of trying and so many right miscarriages or 
or and and your age i think all was um kind of in you sh- you wouldn't be able to go to a fertility specialist if you hadn't had mm-hmm. it all that had to have all the boxes checked mm-hmm. <laughs> which is kind right. of crazy i i just remember i was like what why you know you know kind of thing um and then you know i don't i don't remember how you and Bob were handling that as a couple, you know, um, miscarriage after a miscarriage. Um, I just know personally when, when I had miscarriage, it was, it was very difficult on both of us, you know, your dad and, and my husband. It was very difficult on both of us. How did you and Bob handle that together? I think we just spent a lot of time together uh, talking about talking about it, but then other times I was just like, I don't want to talk about it because it's hard. Sure. So... I mean, at the beginning, it was kind of just like, okay, well, it's all right. We'll just try again. But but as the time went on, I think it was harder and harder to uh, talk about or acknowledge or whatever you want to say. Sure, which is, which is totally understandable. You know, I know with other people that I talk to and, and even with you that once a woman or a couple becomes pregnant, they're, they're, they start dreaming and about that child, you know, will it be a boy or a girl, you know, what will we name them, you know, what will they, what will they look like, you know, what color hair, what color eyes, all of those things. And then a miscarriage happens. And it's just total devastation. All of those dreams are just gone. Right. So as a couple, that's really, really hard. So then after the third miscarriage, what happened after that? So after that, we... um... The third, before the third miscarriage, I just was looking at, I have a blog and I was just looking at it, but we switched doctors before that and they, they gave us a go ahead. Um, but I was only about eight weeks pregnant and they, when they did the ultrasound at the six week, it was fine. Everything was good. Eight weeks, not good. He said, he doesn't, it doesn't look good. But then miscarriage had started first, basically when I got home. I, from the ultrasound, like the body knew and it started. But, um, after that, we decided to go to a fertility specialist. Um, cause I had talked with people, I think around my work and other people. And most people just said, no, I just called them up and we went, we didn't have to, there was no, um, 
you know, you didn't have to have a referral or anything the way that it was. So we called and had a appointment not too long after the next new year. And, and, um, they did all the gamut of tests that fertility specialists do. And, um, Real, they had found that I had something called MTHFR, but um, they didn't really think that would be a big factor for us. Everything looked good. Um, they had us do one of those uh, x-rays where they look at the female anatomy to see if everything looks okay. Um, and he thought he had seen uh, a thyroid, so referred us to um, a female surgeon that does surgeries on the female anatomy, I guess. I don't I think that was her specialty. And ended up getting uh, removed the, what we thought was a fibroid, but ended up being just a polyp. Um, and then she basically said she saw nothing else and saw no other reason, so referred us back to um, the doctor, the fertility doctor, who mm -hmm. ahead. So um, he was such a positive doctor and really had us thinking, okay, this is going to work. Um, you know, had us on all these things, like, to mature the, the uh, one egg into a beautiful, perfect egg for us. And then um, all these different medicines to help mature the egg and get, you know, the uterine lining good and all this stuff. And we did a couple of um, tries after we had the perfect egg on our own to... Uh, pregnant again with no luck I remember you telling me he would yeah. say they're happy eggs yeah looking for happy eggs happy eggs <laughs> happy big eggs yeah and then we tried IUI a couple of times which is when they take the sperm and basically put it up there further so it has a better chance of meeting the egg for um, and, um, fertilization for, I think we did that twice, which also didn't work. We didn't, with, with all the help of medicine and um, so we'd gone through a whole nother year of trying with this doctor of um, medically helped trying to have the baby and nothing worked whether by ourselves or with the IUIs um, so after yeah. that he I think recommended IVF and we had to decide if that's what we wanted to do Cause that's pretty, um, costly and pretty, um, 
evasive, I guess, and a mm -hmm. lot to go along with that whole procedure. And, and from my understanding and what I have read, even with IUIs and IVF, the, the rate of success is still not great. Mm hmm. Yeah. And you would think it would be so much more than regular pregnancy, but I feel you, like not because even though you have all these medically guided procedures, yeah, doctors like putting the sperm right where it should be to meet the egg and or whatever, and it's still not that great chance. And yeah, you're spending tons of money to. To make it all happen. Yeah, I think that was one thing that as you were going through that, that baffled me more than anything. That with all of the doctors and the science and all of this, um, these procedures, that how does, how is it so, the percentage so low still of a successful pregnancy it just I couldn't comprehend I couldn't understand that at all just like you were just saying it's like how how's that happen right I don't even remember the percentage of the IUI or the IVF but it definitely wasn't very high no I want to uh, the number that comes to my mind right now is like 30 percent or something it seems like it's less than 50 percent for sure which is crazy <laughs> to me um no actually I'm, I'm looking it up it's higher than that so IUI is says 80 to 90 percent mm -hmm. and then IVF is lower it's 50 to 85 percent mm. a failure rate that's not a success rate. Those are failure rates. So 80 to 90% failure rate for IUI and 50 to 85% failure rate for IVF. So yeah, what I was saying, like 30% chance or whatever, which is crazy yeah. <laughs> with all of that medical stuff. How, how does that happen? But it does. It does. Yeah. And it's amazing how many people just get pregnant naturally or by mistake or yeah 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 young child or you know or as a 50 year old woman that's like oh, i was done having kids or i never wanted to have a kid or whatever. surprise and what your body wants you to have a kid yeah Just yeah so all of those things, things that yeah, and I'm sure all of those things went through your head over and over with every miscarriage and, and attempt. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, why? You know, mm -hmm. I'm sure that was over and over and over in your head. And it, and it just seems like women blame themselves. Like, what's wrong with me? What did I do? You know? When really it's not your fault, you know, it just happens, you know. And I think when you're going through it, it's harder. But um, I think, I don't know, it's not easier after you're through it. 
but I think you might have a better understanding maybe uh, of it, that there are other women out there going through the same thing. Oh yeah. There's many, many people that I've talked to during or after or whatever that said, Oh yeah, I had whatever miscarriages or, I, you know, I know this person, this person that did IUI, or I know this person that went to this doctor that you went to, or all these people just come out of the woodwork when you start talking about it. Yeah. And that's definitely one of the things that, that is the reason behind the podcast is really a vehicle for, for stories to be put out there and to give hope, you know, to to other women that there are women that are, that are going through something similar um, and get, and to be able to get that support as they're going through it. Yeah. So then you started um, IVF. You made the decision Mm -hmm. to go ahead and try IVF. So tell us a a little bit about that. Um. Well, we had the same doctor, but he worked with um, the St. Louis um, Shear Institute, S-I-R-M. And so we went through, I think, some more testing, blood tests, and, you know, to see if there was any antibody things or natural killer cells or things like that which we ended up having more things that were piling up against us to see why I was having the miscarriages, but they all said that were, um, they could control that they could help us with. And now that knowing that they would, that we had them, that would, they would be able to help, defer them or whatever you want to say, treat them or whatever. Uh-huh. So, um, so after more tests and I think I did another type of fluid ultrasound to make sure everything looked good and was clear and they, um, we were green-lighted to start another, um, to start the IVF process. Which at this point mm-hmm. we had been trying for it, it. This would be starting the second year of having a kid. Mm-hmm. So we went through the whole IVF calendar. The um, embryos started. You know, started taking it all the medications did everything we were supposed to do and we got to retrieval day and got I think it was like I'm gonna say it was like 10 eggs which is what what they were all happy with was good Mm -hmm. um I want to say that seven of them ended up being fertilized and then they choose the best two to put in, which they did. Um, 
they were good grades, like one and two, I think. And um, they put them in, and then you wait. You wait for two weeks until you can get tested for the pregnancy hormone, the HCG. Um, but then we were told after after they had transferred the two in that none of the others had made it, that they were not able to be frozen. They weren't... Um, whatever they call them, viable or whatever days that they wait mm-hmm. to see if they're still good, then, then they freeze them. But there were none left. So the two that we had were in me. And the, if we would have to do another time, we would have to do the whole harvesting, um, getting, you know, whole cycle again if it didn't work. So then, you know, that just puts stress on you knowing that, Yet all your eggs right there. Sure. Um, and it just, I remember you telling me that, and then I'm just like, wait, like, same thing. Like, all of this has been done in a doctor's office and a medical facility. How do we go from 10 to 2? Right. But, you know, as I've talked to other people, that that happens, you know, it, it, but it still, like, <laughs> baffles me. Like, ha- how does that happen? But, you know, it, it does. I don't think people understand or realize that those things happen and how heartbreaking they are. Right. So they implanted two. We waited. And you waited. For, I think it's a couple weeks. And then they send you for blood tests. Uh-huh. And you have to get your HDD blood level. And then, of course, you go to the lab. You get it. And you, don't, you wait for the call from the doctor's office just for your result. Okay. We got your result. Call us back or whatever if you couldn't get to the phone. Because they won't leave it on a message. Um, sure. And we found out we were pregnant. So this is number four pregnancy. Yay, we're pregnant. Yay. <laughs> so then they go through, I think every couple days, you're supposed to, your level is supposed to double. And it, so it was, and it was going up perfectly. It was going up great. Um, so they're like, okay, you're pregnant. You're still pregnant. You're still pregnant. Great. Now comes, we'll see you in a couple weeks for an ultrasound, I think. So, um, it was like six or seven weeks. Everything looked good. Um, and then come back in a couple just to make sure everything looks good before they dis. Uh, this is at the doctor, fertility doctor. Before um, make, want to make sure everything's good before they, um, send you back to your regular OB. And then that one at like seven and a half weeks was good. He, but he wasn't ready to send me back to my regular OB yet since I had had miscarriages at seven, eight, ten weeks in the previous three pregnancies. Um, so the third ultrasound 
I think was at about eight and a half weeks and he he ultrasounded us in my his office and then said uh, he wasn't too sure about it and he wanted us to go to a better ultrasound facility um, to make sure everything was good. Basically, I guess, better technology, better system, better somebody. Mm-hmm. So we had, you know, kind of done this before when we've gone to ultrasounds. We're like, eh, we're not, you know, either they're not sure or the tech is just not really talking to you the whole time or whatever. So they sent us down to this other better ultrasound place. And basically the tech that was ultrasounding us we, she, we answered a few of her questions, but she didn't um, really say much the whole time. Um, and then I remember her coming back in. She's like, I got to go talk to the doctor in charge. And we're like, great. You know, she, she's gone for a while. Comes back in. She says, good news. You don't have to scan you anymore. You can get dressed. The doctor's going to come in and talk to you. I'm like, good news should learn to choose your words more wisely. Uh, uh, I get dressed and of course we wait and we wait and we wait and then we're like, well, we're waiting a really long time. This is not going to be good news. So they come in and they say a doctor, the doctor, ultrasound doctor in charge and our fertility doctor come in because he worked in the same building. And look at us and just basically shake their head and say, oh, sorry. So they left and, you know, he said, call us, call me later and we'll talk about what, what you guys want to do. So we try to compose ourselves or whatever. And she's like, sure. The comes back and is like, are you okay? Heard you crying. No, we're not okay. <laughs> and then she's like, do you want to go through the back door? And we're like, yeah. We want to go through the back door. We don't want to go through the front door with all the big pregnant ladies are with all their big bellies and, and being sure. all super happy about being pregnant and I just Find out again. I've just lost another baby at and a half weeks again. So, of course, we can't, we can't uh, you know, it's another time, another decision, what to do. We talked to the doctor. He says, would you like to, he'd like to me to have a DNC. And we scheduled it for the next day. So, we wanted to draw it out and or have to wait for my body to figure out that you're gonna miscarry this baby so we, yeah. we opted for dnc he wanted us to get genetic testing and we said no we don't think we want to do that so another dnc and another baby gone. Uh, baby number four.
And so I'm sure after that, there was a lot of discussion and talk between you and Bob of what to do. What do we do now? Right. And we didn't talk about it, I don't think, right away because sure there wasn't, um, you know, what do you say after having the same conversation four times yeah. in two years or two and a half years or whatever it may was. So we did, um, I think, hear from you know, all the family saying sorry and, uh, you know, let us know what we can do for you and things like that. But, um, Bob's sister, for the second time, which I forgot to mention earlier, I think it was after this, our, had, had reached out to Bob and said that I'm sorry that you, you're going through this, but... If there's anything I, I can do, I'll, I would love to help you. I'd be a surrogate for you or whatever. And we were just like, why? Okay, why is she offering this? We just met and, you know, had two miscarriages. <laughs> it's not the, I mean, we weren't thinking it was the end of the world at that point. Or the end of the sure. world. Whatever it may be. Um, but now, after the fourth miscarriage, she offered again to be a surrogate or somehow help with our journey. And, of course, both of us were like, uh, we have no idea what we're going to do. We just lost our fourth baby. Yeah. We don't even know if we're going to try anymore, anything. So, we said you know of course thank you for offering but we're not sure what what our next steps are going to be yeah and I don't know what if at that point we even told anybody that she had offered that or I don't remember if I told you or no I I don't think you told me that um until later, you know, that she had offered that. And it's interesting, like, like you just said, like, where does that come from after a second miscarriage that somebody, you know, obviously somebody that loved both of you would even think to say that, you know? So, you know, and then, and then to say it again, you know, did she have someone that else that had done that? Or, yeah, where, do, where does that kind of offer come from? Right. Come from. Um. And I'm sure, and you kind of alluded to this, that it's difficult with each one of those to then have to talk to family and friends. Yes. To... to to tell them that now you've lost another child. Right. It's, it's definitely not, I mean, and we weren't keeping it a secret. We were like yeah. telling people, well, yeah, we're pregnant. Yeah. You know, even being 
very early on. We weren't trying to hide it or wait it out till the second trimester sure. or whatever people wait, usually wait till and some people wait till to tell people about their pregnancy we weren't we, when we knew we shared it right we were excited to share that so because you wanted that family yeah. so desperately so then you waited a while and, um, and then what we was we we st- still wanted a bait so we decided that we were gonna have go back and talk with our doctor the filter fertility doctor um he said he was super positive optimistic and wanted to try the IVF again and test all the embryos beforehand to make sure that they were good. And he wanted to do some more testing on Bob and I, like genetic testing. Um, so he does. He had no reason to believe that we wouldn't miscarriage again, or you know. But he wanted to rule everything out that could go wrong, and so we had to think about it of course because this is another IVF another procedure another more testing more money more everything to know what to do so we ended up deciding to get the genetic testing on both of us which gave us some more bad news really bad news um the news was something called a total match. It's called, it's, they do it um, basically like a genotype type panel that they test the, the partners and to see if you would be have some kind of immune response, autoimmune response to your fetus and um, the total match that we ended up having, which only happens and when I was doing research back then, was like less than 1% of couples have it. Of course. We had it. Well, among the of other course. Many things that were going against us. So then that kind of told us why all these miscarriages were happening. Because the reason is, I guess, basically because you're such a... You're, response is such a match or whatever your embryo isn't foreign enough to your body the female body and the female body rejects it because it's too much alike or what i from my my understanding is that when you are pregnant that Uh your body makes all these antibodies and things to um basically protect the embryo in our case, the embryo was so much alike, the body wasn't making the antibodies to do that. It was trying to get rid of, I guess, the thing that was so much alike. I, I, from what I understand, it's very confusing. 
lot of genetic sure. stuff. But from what I understand, <laughs> my body was rejecting the babies because of how much alike it was and not different. Because you and Bob genetically we had were so a, much. Whatever our, whatever our genotypes or whatever were like so a total match. Which... I, yeah, I remember you calling me after that and you said <laughs> we're a perfect match. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's great. That's good. And you're like, it's the worst no, possible thing we could that's have. Not good. <laughs> I'm like I'm like what like I don't I don't understand you're a perfect match I, I don't understand and I remember you you telling me that you know that so at that time and yeah. then you were given we some were options. given some options they basically from my research and from what they said you won't be able to carry your own baby you can have a gestational carrier or surrogate carry your two biological with my egg and his sperm biological baby carried by someone else or you could use a sperm donor or you could get the base the other option was you could donate an embryo from another couple were the choices that um, or we could do adoption or just no, do nothing. Or, you know, there's other on that, but the choices that we were given was basically sperm donor embryo adoption, or use someone else to carry our embryo. Mm-hmm. But that being said, we would have to go through. IVF again to get embryos because we had none because we had used them all and the others had not been able to be frozen. So then correct. A big so a big discussion we discussed with ourselves, we discussed with our families, we discussed with um you know, what do we do and how do we come up with the money to do this if we decide decide to move on and and um who would we use if we used a surrogate or if we got an embryo, how would we how would we do that or whatever. We ultimately decided that we wanted our own baby and didn't feel like it would be fair to have a sperm donor because then it would only be one of ours and that may be not fair. So it was either embryo adoption or have someone carry for us where that would be biologically ours. We asked Emily, Bob's sister, that had already offered to be a surrogate twice after two um, miscarriages she said she would absolutely do that for us and what she need to do so then we take other big task of knowing 
how she if she's gonna be able to carry our baby. Right, because they're siblings and could it be the exact same problem, same problem with her as it was right. with you. So then there was genetic yes. testing was done genetic with her. Testing done with her. And okay. luckily she was not a total match. She was clear and she had to do some other things with, you know, with her. Um, she had to meet with the doctor. Uh, we actually ended up switching to another doctor within the Shear Institute. Um, who was awesome with us as well. And, uh, her, she, we had to go through, um, uh, what's it called? Like a therapist talked to a psychological type of evaluation with all of the members of the party, Emily, Bob's sister and her husband, Bob and I all had to meet with therapists and have evaluations done to make sure that we were all Mentally sound, I guess, to be able to go through this challenging process. I remember that you all had to have like psyche valves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, what? Right. And, you know. and, and then we had to get then lawyers, yeah. Attorneys. All, both of us, both sides had to have a contract drawn up stating basically if Anne's what's and you know what if this happens and if if something happens to Emily something happens to one of us you know some you know what all these if ands ors would happen and also when it when the baby did come how it would then turn to be legally ours and not hers because she carried it um so we had a lot of steps to jump through hurdles to go over uh with all it took several i remember months. yeah Actually, i remember I think all we, that i feel like i got it done yeah. we got it done pretty quickly because i'm just that type of person i have a task and i'm it's, <laughs> okay i'm going to do this i'm going to call all these people tomorrow get it all set up and you know of course it's little bit but it didn't um once we decided it was probably a couple of months but then we also had to wait till their cycle started for Emily and I to be started on the new um IVF cycle um all and I remember that being interesting that you both then had to do if, if I remember correct, injections and all of that to get your cycles to be exactly the same. And I just remember saying, like, how does that work? Like, <laughs> like wait, what? Right. What? Like, how it's, does that work? Um, you know? It's interesting, definitely. And I um, didn't do a whole lot of extra research on that because I, one, didn't want to know all the craziness that's out there on the internet about all the medications <laughs> and all the 
I just basically just kind of just try to trust the system and know that these they've done it before. They've they've had many many successful pregnancies and things done before to link up and have them perfectly ready for you know what they needed so we went through it we both got calendars we both got meds we both got synced up and um, I had to go through all the IVF stuff again because yeah so retrieval retrieval happened had to happen again and then how many um, eggs were they able um, to retrieve this time? I think it was like 12. Do you remember? And that's what I remember 12, too. 12, yep. 12 it is. So, more better than last time. Goodbye, two more. Yeah, two more. Um, <laughs> happy eggs, yes. Happy eggs. Happy little embryos. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're all synced up. Things are good. They're going to um, they retrieve 12 eggs. They, you know, put them to go to fertilization to make all 12 fertilized. And then by day three, we only had 10 because two of them had died had died and then they just decided to mm-hmm. tra- of course they try to transfer the best two embryos um, and they did and then I think we had five or four after that I want to say four I think there were still four like there were six after ready for mm-hmm. to be implanted. There were six, and then they took the best, yeah, most viable two. And so, is that their um, pro- protocol that they only do two, knowing that there yeah. could be still I do two division? There. And sometimes though, multiples they'll okay. only do one if they have if somebody has a certain um like immune response or something they might only do one so that they're only the mute their immunity or immune response or whatever is only fighting the one and not two and they're to um to give it a bit more of a chance but um they did two for me and but i think they traditionally do too if they ha- if there's not other factors okay so yes mhm then you wait so they implanted two and then you wait yes and then i just was looking here at my um blog and four of the embryos did get frozen so we had some uh yeah i guess backup hope but at this point we we're like we're just completely done um so we waited yeah. and then she came back with her blood work and we were pregnant 
Yay. Yay. So we were super excited, but every time we were super excited, but we were super hesitant to be so excited. We're cautiously excited, I guess you could sure. say. I don't um I don't think I said that before because, you know, we just we had been through so much loss that we didn't we didn't want to get too excited about it. Even before we just tried not to be super excited. Sure. Um, so Emily's pregnant and this time and so we're uh, we're excited that maybe the outcome's gonna be different because it's not me. And her second sure. and third blood work all came back great and then we go in for ultrasound and we actually, I think we went in around six weeks, and um, they said, you have one healthy baby. And we were like, okay, yay. What? <laughs> Excited, but again, like, right? how does that happen? Like, mm-hmm. where's the other baby? And Emily even said that after the ultrasound, she's like, what happened to the other one? What did I do wrong? Why didn't you know she she was nervous about twins yeah. or multiples, but she was like, if I can give it to him, I'm going to. But um, <laughs> yeah, and then they actually were able to detect a heartbeat at that six week ultrasound, which is sometimes pretty rare. Um, wow. And so that was even better than to make us uh, even more excited um, to, you know, too, because it's usually at six weeks, you're, you know, barely, barely pregnant. So they don't expect to be able to hear. But they did. Sure. So we did a couple more, I think a couple more weeks with the. Sheer Institute with Emily, and then they graduated her to her regular OB. Well, everything was looking good. I think at like eight or ten yeah. weeks, we graduated to um, go to her own regular OB. Mm-hmm. And so um, we know the end story. But how did her pregnancy go? Was it an easy pregnancy? Did she, she had have no complications. any complications? None. Um, uh, besides, she thought she was gaining too much weight. But that's with every pregnant person, <laughs> I think. Well, some pregnant people, they don't gain hardly anything. Sure. But um, she, besides that, she was good. Yeah. I went to every single appointment with her. I went to Bob. My husband tried to go with uh, with us to the bigger ones with ultrasounds and things, but he didn't come to every just, you know, regular appointment. I went to all of them. But, of course, um, she breezed right through it, but um, the little, little girl didn't want to um, ever move when we were around. So we never felt her. Um at all until she came out. 
He would never kick. Really? Never I didn't move, know that. Never do anything for us. We never felt her from the outside. So, Emily said she was busy in there all the time. She Wow. She likes to run around at night and all this <laughs> and whatever, but we never did get to actually feel her. Well, I know I didn't. I don't think Bob did. I think she was just super stubborn, which she still is to this day. Yeah. she definitely has a strong personality so um i remember and i don't know at what point it was you told me yeah that you were going to breastfeed and the same thing came out of my mouth like i said (laughs) you can't do that or how does that work that always seemed to be Uh my thing to say like how does that work I thought you, that doesn't, you can't do that. Like you're not carrying the baby. And you were like, yep, I'm going to try. And I was like, okay. Yep. All right. Um, <laughs> so I did not document much on that. I don't think I documented anything on that, but um, there was this book and this, I don't know if it, I just researched it or who had told me about it. I don't even know how I got this idea. Maybe I was on a surrogate blog or something. I don't even know how I came about it. But I found this lady that had written this book sure. and it was called Breastfeeding Without Birthing or something like that. Um, and so I had... I read the book. I talked to her. I talked to my OB. I talked to some other people. um, And my OB was like, sure, whatever you need. If you need me to write your prescription for this or that or whatever, let us know what we can do to help. Because they also did not know anything about it. They were like, okay. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Okay, I'm I'm glad to like, know there well, was somebody we've never else done this before, but like... let us know, you know, what we can do kind of thing. So, um I don't really remember exactly cuz I obviously it's been 8 5 years ago, 5 plus years ago, but it started I yeah. think uh and maybe maybe 2 months, 10 weeks before the baby was due. And I took some some hormones and I took some other medication. Basically, it was to tr- tr- try to trick my body into thinking that I was pregnant. And um, then at some point, I started pumping. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're supposed to pump on a regular basis, like every three to four hours. And eventually breast milk came in so I was able to pump breast milk before the baby even got there and started to make a small stockpile um, in our freezer of milk now I wasn't making a whole lot but I also wasn't being as diligent probably as I should have I was just happy that something was working and that maybe I could have that bond with her when she came um, but it worked for a little while I think she actually got she did latch on when she finally yeah. came out and she did breastfeed 
some, but I don't think I was making enough to keep her satisfied and full. So we would have to, at one point, we are like, okay, she has to breastfeed, and then she has to bottle feed, and then I have to pump, and then, you know, all these things in one sitting, and it was just like, okay, what what's going to happen here? Am I just going to pump and somebody else feeds her? Or we didn't weren't sure how much she was actually getting, and so I think she got strictly breastfed for about a month, and then we started supplementing with formula because I didn't have we had run out of the milk and I wasn't making enough for just breast milk. Yeah, I just remember the emotion for me when she was born and we'll go back to all of that but when she was born and you were immediately able to breastfeed her was just amazing to me I was like wow it was it was pretty cool a lot of people still don't even realize you know that I know now that then probably weren't either you know acquainted with me or whatever that don't know that I did that and are also in awe or shock or whatever that that's even a possibility and then I have to be like well yeah I did it so it is possible there's research and books and things out there (laughs) yeah 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 and um if you can, if you think of what that is, we'll put that name of that book. If anybody needs that resource, we can put that in the show breath notes. Breastfeeding without birthing. can come up with that. But I can remember. And so. Breastfeeding without birthing by Alyssa okay. Chanel. Breastfeeding guide for mothers through adoption, surrogacy, and other special circumstances. Okay. She did it um, with her adoptive. I want to say so I don't know if she was a lactation consultant before or not but she ended up I think she ended up doing it she's a um, breastfed two of her children by birth and one by adoption so yeah wow so I remember one other cool thing was, um, and you can share this, when Emily asked (laughs) about being induced. So Emily's, um... Oh, well, let's go back just a little bit. When Emily is a teacher, and when she came back from Christmas break, the t-shirt that um, she wore well, to tell her students. We, I don't know. If, like, yeah, I'm pregnant, but it's not mine or something like that. Or um, don't worry, it's not mine. I'm trying to think of what it was. I remember a shirt I and that at least you telling me or something that it said, which was funny. I mean, hopefully no one will take offense to this, but I thought it was super funny <laughs> that she was yeah. pregnant with her brother's child. Um, well, we had, I see. <laughs> or something like that. 
I had, I think we had gotten some made or somebody made them for him. One of them, I think said, don't worry, it's not mine. And one of them said, it's my brother's and my sister-in-law's <laughs> in parentheses. And I don't know what the other one, if the other, I can't read the other one, but. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that was, those were, that was fun, right. you know, to explain to her students um, about that. But then talk about when Emily decided to um, talk so to you guys she about has this being crazy induced. idea. Well, she the baby's due July twelfth, which is great, and her birthday is July eighth. Emily's birthday, so she's pregnant, and she says, mm-hmm. um, "What do you guys think about if?" if I get induced and have her on my birthday, I'm like, well, is your doctor going to let you do that? And, and why would you want to have a baby on your birthday? (laughs) She said, well, I think that'd be kind of cool to have this share the same birthday. And cause it's also part of her journey, you know, like I got to be part of her. Yeah, I just thought that was the coolest thing that, you know, she offered to do all this and did all this and then wanted to share a birthday. But the stubborn little girl that she is, right? right, (laughs) Let that happen. <laughs> yeah, like eight or something, and then early she in decided the not to come until nine p.m. I think <laughs> she was, you know, not even really laboring for very long. She was induced, and I don't even think she got her um, like epidural until like six p.m. or something, and then um, she yeah. held out till nine o'clock and everybody was there waiting for her because everybody knew she was coming that day or thought she was coming that day. Yes. All the grandmas, all the <laughs> uncles, everyone was there and cousins were yeah. all there waiting for her. Um, so yeah, yeah, she waited and waited and waited, but Luckily, she came on the right day. <laughs> yeah. And so that was that was amazing. And like I said be- before, then you were able to breastfeed her. It was cool, too, that the hospital Yeah, they were very accommodating. I to had stay. called and talked to them, the lactation consultants and the staff. Um, like the directors or whatever, to see if we could have a room or be in the room with, you know, told them our whole situation, wanted to know if, we, if there was a possibility if we could have a room of our own since we didn't want to be impeding on Emily's room and her space and recovery and whatever, um, and that I was going to try to breastfeed. Um, and they were also very all accommodating and you know, did not guarantee me that, but they said, if our status 
is low enough and we can accommodate your, um, you know, we have enough rooms and we will do that for you. And luckily they were, they didn't have, they weren't full. So we were able to have a room right next to hers and be able to have our own space, give her her own space and, but still be right next to each other for her to be able to, you know, still have that bond with her and, um, us be able to have our own private area with her too. Yeah, that was so cool. That, that was one of the coolest things. One of the blessings in all of that, I think, um, was that you now have this beautiful baby girl and didn't have to, um, heal or, you know, not that it wasn't difficult to now have a newborn up, you know, on and off all night, but to be able to really um, do everything with her and not have to worry about your healing um, physically yes. um, along with that. So the funny thing. Um, when she came out, so, it was basically um, like one and a half pushes and she was out and, um, the doctor almost didn't make it. She had to be called in and they couldn't get a hold of her. They had a wrong number and like I, all those things, you know, of course you're, we're expecting to go wrong and Bob is freaking out and he's like, just get any doctor and, um, like it's okay nurses can catch it's okay you know like yeah (laughs) and uh but yeah I mean then they're like are you ready and the doctor finally made it and she looked at me and she goes she's not ready she doesn't she's getting the baby right she's gonna hold the baby when it comes out to me and I'm like "Uh, yeah that's okay so they're like of course get your gown on get your gloves on get all this on you know you're not ready <laughs> I'm like oh okay so a uh, baby came out Bob cut the cord baby came to me and I got to hold her for a couple minutes before they kind of like took her and started cleaning her up and um things I was the first person to get to hold her and then the second person that got to hold her was Emily and that Bob was third, which, which we didn't even, I didn't even like, we didn't even plan that or talk about that, but that's how it went. It was me and then Emily and then, and then daddy was last, (laughs) well, last of the three. I don't know who got her fourth or fifth or anything after that, but I do know that Emily was second. Yeah. Yeah, and I, we, it was a while before we got to hold her, you know, the, the family, they cleaned her up and did some pictures, uh, or I took some pictures, and um, it, it was a little while, but we all did get to hold her right. that night, so that was, that was super cool, super cool. So, as we finish up, was there any question that I should have asked or anything else that you wanted to share with? With, you know, the listeners um, to give them some words of hope or encouragement. Um, it was a long journey 
for you for sure. So, so what would you say? Um, um, I mean, any hope, words of hope or encouragement? What you think is your path. And if you, you know, you have that main strong desire to be a family, there are many ways to do, do, do it. And after so much struggle, we were blessed with one beautiful little girl that keeps us on our toes, but we love her. Um, I don't, I don't know how we were so strong to go through it all. It just kept some, somehow we kept some hope that it would happen. Um, but there are many, many people out there that have lots of miracle babies. So, uh, it, it can happen. And it just might, yeah, might have to go through a lot of step backwards before you get to the end result. Um, I do have this one quote on my blog. I'm trying to find it, um, which totally hit home, and I don't really, I'm trying to find it before. And I think what what I took out of this and and what I remember is so many embryos, you know, lost and miscarriages and 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 that she is a miracle, like you said, a true miracle, and all babies are that even through all of the medical knowledge and tech, uh, techniques and everything that was done, there's still loss. And for a child to be, be born, it is a, it is a true miracle, you yes. know, and she is a miracle to all of us. She is. Um, uh, here's one of them. It's, uh, it's Paul. It says, never give up. The minute you think you're giving up, remember the, Reason, the reason you held on for so long is one of them. And um, the other one is an arrow can only be shot by pulling it backward. So if life is dragging you down or dragging you back with difficulties, it means it's going to launch, launch you into something great. I couldn't get that out. <laughs> Those are two okay. of my little quotes on my uh, my blog that uh, meant a lot during the struggle we were going through. Sure, sure. And so, I just want to give all the listeners right. hope um, and encouragement that, and Melanie does as well that. Um, just keep fighting, you know, and, and even if it's, you know, there's many, many ways that children come into this world, you know, mm-hmm. I know I remember us talking even about, you know, adoption and stuff. Um, but what we will do is if you want to connect, um, we'll have all the information in the show notes 
of how you can connect. Um, I will also post, if it's okay with Melanie, her blog. If you'd like to read her blog, we'll have that posted there. You can look at it. There's more details than what probably she gave. This lasted a long time, but there is a lot of information. It was quite the journey. Um, but I hope um, that you did, everybody that listened really felt Melanie's passion um, and, and her heart. Um, you can connect with me um, on Women Connect and Support on, fo- on uh, Facebook. Also in the show notes, I will put my email. You can reach out and my phone number. And if, if you're going through something similar, um, we can connect you to Melanie, and I'm sure she will help um, give you some hope, you know, via email or phone or Facebook. So any other last no. words uh, of encouragement or anything like that? I don't like think that? so. Good luck. Um, okay. And you're not alone. Yes. Good luck on, on definitely not and alone. Everyone has and, many and it's not your fault through life, but and women don't talk about their female struggles, especially pregnancy loss as much as it should be. I think spoken about, I don't, uh, there's so many so many people that have had loss that you would never know unless you start talking to them about it. And then they're like, Oh yeah, I did that too. Or, you know, so it, it definitely are not alone. Yes. And that is the main reason for doing the podcast is to really help women know that they're not alone and to connect you, to give you hope and support doing this during this most difficult time (laughs) women's life going through loss and struggle. So thank you very much, Melanie. I knew this would be a difficult one for you and I, but thank you so much for taking the time (laughs) to do this. (laughs) I love you. And I love that little girl. Thank you so much, Melanie, for sharing your story of hope and encouragement with all of our listeners. If you have found value in listening to this podcast, please subscribe and give a review. But most importantly, share this with the person you know that it can help. If you are interested in connecting with myself or Melanie, please reach out to me via Facebook through Women connect and support are by email at Teresa and that's T-E-R-E-S-A dot women connect 2019 at gmail.com. All of this information will be in the show notes along with Melanie's blog that she mentioned, the title of the book that she also mentioned and my email and phone number and a link to the Facebook page. And as always, I want you to know that you are not alone on this journey and we are here to connect and give you support through this most difficult time of your life.